Two weeks ago, 20 Democrat hopefuls went to Detroit, Michigan to make their case for President of the United States. These debates had many pleas for the American electorate's support and their attention. However, as I was watching these debates, I couldn't help but think that there was something really missing. The fact that the candidates seemed to be talking past each other instead of talking with each other. Yeah, so one area which I thought was most prominent in what you were talking about is the topic of gun violence. And it's been an ongoing conversation in our country with a bunch of shootings in public areas, from school shootings to the shooting in El Paso a few like a week ago. Um, but it seems like all these politicians have the same general ideas. They want to have universal background checks. They want to have a ban on assault rifles and have more training and licensing associated with actually owning a gun. Yet it seems like they're always trying to speak over each other and kind of just disagree. They kind of avoid the whole idea that they're thinking in unison and instead they have to add some sense of dissonance when there really shouldn't be any. Exactly. And I think the same exact thing is probably happening in healthcare. All Democrats, I think, now have the same goal in mind, the goal that everyone should have accessible and affordable health care. Yes, they all have different ways of getting there, whether it be Medicare for all, touch-ups to Obamacare, a public buy-in option to Medicare. All these are different solutions to the problem, but what I think a lot of the politicians are missing, at least when they're discussing these policies, is that America just wants their health care. They don't care how they get it necessarily. We're not all politics junkies like they might make us out to be. And I think this probably this this problem ultimately comes down to the rise in something called sound bites. And Sound bites are basically a three seconds to even an upwards of like a minute long clip from a large speech that the media will use to kind of depict the general landscape of what a politician is trying to make an argument about. Now, it's potentially a good thing, it's potentially a bad thing, but Joey, how do you think sound bites have affected our political system? Hmm. I mean, it's definitely a difficult question because each person could interpret it a different way. But I think that sound bites and the use of sound bites in terms of mass media and it, when they post sound bites on new on the news or on social media platforms like Instagram, Twitter, etc., I feel like it's added a more fast-paced nature to politics. Absolutely, and it's made people a lot less observant of what's going on so they're only looking at the moments which are super punchy and not focusing on the moments which aren't that punchy and i think that the moments that aren't as punchy and are a little bit more laborious to listen to and a little bit more boring are still super important Mm -hmm. and that's why i feel like i don't think that sound bikes has particularly corroded politics but it hasn't given politics the attention that it deserves sure I think part of the interesting, most interesting part about sound bites is their history, at least where they've developed from. So in the, in the 1960s, the advertisers on TV stations pressured the media to shorten the amount of time that they would devote toward a single speech, which was the birth of the sound bite, which is kind of difficult to think about because it basically means that companies, not 
for the general public's knowledge, wanted more time to advertise their products instead of giving a 15-minute long speech um, from, let's say, a campaign rally. And some of you might remember or have learned about in history class the most famous soundbite, at least in the beginning, in the birth of soundbites, was when Ronald Reagan told um, Gorbachev to tear down that wall. So it's, it's important to remember that stuff, at least historically, because it sets the stage for where we are now. And I know I'm jumping a whole bunch. We started in the 1960s, but when you go back to tw uh, 2016, I think we really saw a boom in the use of sound bites, at least from what I've noticed in politics, with the rise of Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Very inflammatory, very theatrical. Mm -hmm. And it's, I guess I think, that was his point, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Donald Trump, as many of us know, comes from a background of entertainment. Mm -hmm. I mean, what was the show that he ran? What was it? Um, uh, the Apprentice? The Apprentice, exactly. So he's well-versed in the media sphere. He's well-versed in the entertainment sphere. He knows how to manipulate viewers. He knows how to catch their attention. And one of the main things which you said, again, was the use of a soundbite. Mm -hmm. He used these huge moments where he was saying oftentimes radical things, but a lot of times populist things that people really appealed to and really enjoyed. And he encapsulated them into these videos. And these videos were posted all over social media, mm. again, used by mass media all, this, all the damn time. And as a consequence of that, I think sound bites contributed to his election. Absolutely. And an important thing to note with that, as you've talked about a little bit, is that it's not just the rise of sound bites, these short little clips, but you have to ask yourself, why do we have these short clips? And if I were to point any finger, it's, I think, to the consumer, to all of us, because we have a very short attention span. And I think that's a direct result of the rise in the digital revolution. So things like having a phone, having a computer, having 24-7 news cycles, which never used to be a thing. You can basically watch politics every single minute of your entire day, plus some, if you wanted to. But the issue is that things like on Instagram, where you'll have a minute-long video shorten the amount of time that you'll be watching something. So our attention span has been reduced to a point where we can literally only watch three seconds. Like, there's a reason why Vine was such a popular yeah. app. It's because <laughs> people, people did not want to watch for a long time. And when you couple that with politics and with policy, where it requires a ton of explanation, especially in a, in a case like Medicare for All or for healthcare, you need to explain in depth, like it's what a huge, your plan it's a huge like. topic. You can't just like condense it into a thirty-second video. But the problem is now politicians are playing to the same thing that Donald Trump played to mm -hmm. in trying to get media attention. The same thing that people in the past probably also did, because ultimately, and this is kind of the the sad thing, is politicians probably care more about maintaining their seat in the Senate in the House of Representatives as president than they do caring for the American people. For sure. Because especially it gives them a lot of influence. Yeah, especially for during election season. I mean, their job is on the line. Yeah. Like for a lot of these people, they're attempting to run for president of the United States. And if they don't win, if they don't use these manipulative tactics or condensed tactics, then 
their reputation could be on the line. Like Hillary Clinton after she lost the election, I did not hear hear from her for like a year. Mm. I did not see her on the news. I didn't see her posting. I'm sure that she did, but it just seems like her there was no more attention around her. Yep. And I feel like if because Donald Trump used manipulative tactics or or new tactics i'm not going to say manipulative because a lot of times they they are quality content but a lot of times they aren't but because she didn't catch on to certain tactics which he used her reputation was on the line and it's funny because those tactics are literally just be as inflammatory as possible because if you think about it and this this is i guess the point that i would want to drive home is can you really blame these politicians for doing all of this inflammatory stuff? What do you think, Ash? I, I can't blame them. Like, I, I can feel their pain when it comes to a lot of these things. Um, because, as you were saying before, their, their job is online. Imagine you only had five seconds to capture an audience's attention. Are you going to sit there and explain some boring law that they don't care about or explain Most people don't why, have enough why time. judges yeah. on our Supreme Court matter yeah. or why they matter even on our appellate court? Mm. No, like no one really cares about that, no unfortunately. One cares, yeah. And it's a boring topic, but it's an important topic. Instead, what are they going to say? Something super inflammatory, something super theatrical. I feel like something very generalized. But I don't, I don't know, like a lot of times I've seen sound bites which are yeah, actually, yeah, I, now that I'm thinking about it, because the one soundbite which comes to mind is when Kamala goes, guys, 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 like, we're not at a food fight or something like they that. Just wanna yeah, they just want to see food on their table. Yeah, they see food on their table. Like, I feel like that's a general, I feel like the best soundbites which go viral have a mix of generalizability and extremity, if that makes if that makes sense. Sure, sure. Um, especially when it comes to these these 2020 debates, yeah. I think so many politicians are focusing on getting like a zinger in, mm. like a one-liner, and mm. they just practice and practice and practice it. Like, I distinctly remember Eric Swalwell saying a thousand times, pass the torch, pass the torch, pass the torch, when referring to people like Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders. That's a fantastic line. and. Sure. But it seems very rehearsed. So, mm-hmm. one, it doesn't feel genuine. And to the American public, I think that's what is the most important when you vote for someone, that you feel that they're sincere and that you'll know how they'll act. But second, it's not good politics. Um, and yes, he got attention for it, which is probably exactly what he wanted. But case in point, Eric Swalwell's no longer in the primary. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think... The, and, and it's happened with other candidates as well. Kamala did it. Mm-hmm. And whether or not that was something that she didn't practice or did practice, it doesn't really matter. That is what the media focused on. Yeah. And they focus on these very micro, uh, I, would, I would call horse race journalism. That's mm. a term. I'm not making that term up. That term is a political science term. It's basically when you are following every single poll, figuring out who is doing best here, who is doing best here, but you're not focusing on the policies, the issues yeah. that people care about. That's that's one of the main things which I have an issue with about soundbite politics because a soundbite is not to say that someone is winning the whole thing. Like You can't use it as a microcosm, not a microcosm, but as a you can't just explode the soundbite into the general picture you can't say that because mayor pete like demolished blah 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 or or let's say kamala in this soundbite like he is automatically a better candidate 
That's my issue. You have to look at the big, you have to look at the intricacies of the debate. You have to sit down and watch the full two hour debate. Unfortunately, that's what I think. Mm. Um, and see for yourself who is the best candidate as opposed to just following a lot of propaganda, the propaganda oriented like sound bites that we see on social media. And ultimately it, where this really stems from in my mind is the fact that and some people say that this is a good thing. Some people will say this is a bad thing. But we have a corporate-run news media machine. Everything is a business. And we're very lucky for that fact because I don't think anyone would want state-sponsored news because sure. then you literally will not have a dissenting voice whatsoever. But And there's no right answer to this. And there's no answer that we're going to come up with right now. There are people who focus their entire life on yeah. trying to fix issues like these. But... It's kind of disenchanting to know that the media would rather be very sensationalist mm. than depict the whole picture, explain the whole background. And that's not in every case, but it's definitely something that has been affecting me. I think it's part of the reason why we've started stuff like this, where you could see more of the full picture. But Joey, what do you? Th how do we fix? How do we fix this issue? It's a super loaded question. How do we bring necessary context back to a lot of our politics that has been reduced to three to five seconds? I feel like context comes with analysis. Sure. So what I mean by that is, um, just using like books as a metaphor for this whole process. Like you can't expect to get every single nitty-gritty detail from a spark notes condensed version of a book you have to read the entirety of the book look at the literary analysis behind it in order to actually get the full picture and i think that the same applies to politics it applies to anything in the 21st century for that matter we have to look at the whole thing so like i said before we have to sit down unfortunately it's it's very time consuming which is Unfortunately, the gripe of this whole process, sifting through all of the information, but sit down two hours and watch the full debate and really analyze what each politician is saying. Go onto their websites as well, mm -hmm. because that's where all the policies are. Um, but unfortunately, right now, people don't do that. They just listen to what they hear on the news or what they hear in on social media and they go along with it. So do the research. Not many people will do that. I'm sure that like less than 1% of the American population does that it's currently. True. But if you really do that, and if we get the whole population, or at least the large sum of the population of America to do that, then people will be, one, way more politically aware, and two, not swayed by sensationalist content. Mm. I think it's, it's not an easy battle. Yeah. For sure. We no longer have civics classes in our high schools. Mm -hmm. And people don't care about politics, which there, there's no blame for that. I can understand. I mean, listen, as someone who's interested in politics, I can totally understand why people are disinterested in it. In fact, like I'm very disinterested in it myself right now. But they control a lot of power. And the question that you have to ask yourself is, do you want to elect people or sit by and allow people that you wouldn't want in office to be in office? And if you don't want that pe person to be in office, you have to you have to understand why you don't. 
You need to be able to give a concise argument, at least to yourself, and you need to go out and vote. It's ve- it's these very basic things that I wish, as a an American populace, as the public, we would embrace more of. I mean, we got a lot of power as as citizens of of the United States. We've got a lot of power for just living here, and what I see is most unfortunate is that people don't use the power that they have with our vote or or people are preventing them from using yeah for sure but i feel like that all stems from us just not doing what we are capable of like by the simple act of voting we can change the paradigm of our country point blank simple we can change the paradigm of the world it just requires us to vote and to make active decisions not hide behind a monitor and we, we also have to address corporate greed when it comes to media. Obviously, yeah. Which I think is probably the it's it's probably the root of this issue, but it's also the hardest thing to address. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's two sides of the spectrum, or there's two ends of the spectrum. The sure. first of which is the corporate perspective, where media is sifted through to be as lucrative as possible. That means the more sensationalist it is, the more extreme it is, the more money it'll rack up. And as a consequence, the more that these corporations will keep on pumping out. But on the other side of the spectrum, as you were talking about before, if the state or the government were to run our media companies, it would just be so boring. Mm. And well, people it's not, it's be, not, even that, not even that it would be boring. I mean, what is it, it? We already have something like that. What is it? C-something span? Or? No, C-span is not run by the government. What is it? Okay, but, but I, I feel like... Okay. C-span... Okay, it's funny because C-span... I feel like that's pretty boring, and it's not even... It, yeah. yeah, people people don't want to watch it because there's no commentary. Yeah. Um, I mean, there is more but now. But still, okay, that's the only example that I have, sure. but it's, it's not that great of an example. But on the other end, we can see the government, the state government, or the national government running um, running our media mm. and, and running what we see on a day-to-day basis in terms of the news, um, our social media sources, but... The one that, downside. That's the of definition that. of a totalitarian. Yeah, yeah. Government. The one downside of that is, where's the freedom of speech? Like, where do yeah. I get the input of the real people? Um, and two, it's just boring. Like, it's super, super, super boring. It just seems so formulaic. Uh, at the same time, just people will be so disinterested, and it mm. wouldn't gain much traction. I think PBS kind of has an interesting model because they're they're all publicly funded by donations. Mm. But where is that? Do you consider that like? Um, I mean, it's an alter- I feel like it's still corporate, though, because I guess. their their opinions, their content is still swayed by investors. That's true, but it it puts the the onus of control back into the hands of regular people instead mm. of big companies who want you to see a Viagra commercial yeah, on true. on news. True. So I think it's kind of an interesting thing. We obviously don't have the answers, but something to think about. We want to know what you think, though. We want to know. If you think that this is actually an issue, do you think soundbite politics is something that's threatening our nation, like Joey and I think? How do we resolve these issues? Let us know. Did you enjoy this conversation? It's our first time doing something where it's just us us talking back to each other. Let us know if you want us to continue something like this, if you want more political talks. But as always, this is the DWD Podcast signing off. Until next week, we out. Peace. Peace. Yeah.